Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, Egg Chasers. This is the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. And here we are one week closer to rugby resuming in England at least. In fact, I'm not totally sure where, uh, we'll get into this, I'm not totally sure where things are with the Pro 14 and stuff, but there's stuff to talk about there as well. And um, we're going to do it still from our own TMO shipping containers. Uh, There's Phil. Hello, Tim. Hello, Phil. And much like me, you've not managed to get a haircut this week. I've got mine booked in for Wednesday. When are you getting that barnet done? I mean, you could take a hedge (laughs) trimmer to that quite legitimately. It it needs it. Um, Soon. Uh, I've still not got a date yet. Um, I'm I'm genuinely very busy, but soon. I got got, um, called Ringo Starr the other day. (laughs) And and there is a very svelte and sharply trimmed uh, JB. Hello, Tim. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, JB. Uh, just, I, I just mentioned that. Where are we? So the, the Premiership Rugby is returning on the weekend of the 15th, 16th of August. I've got some, I've got some dates and fixtures um, through. And just when you see the, written down on paper the games that are going to be on telly and stuff, it just gets very exciting now. We're only a few weeks away. But um, when, when is the Pro 14? Have they got any announcement on a return yet? I thought they had, haven't they? I mean, not as yeah. They're planning for the 22nd of August, which is the week after the Premiership returns. Still not and confirmed, but... Yeah, for. I'm just looking here. That seems, that seems to be the plan um, with derbies on the 22nd of August and then a final on the 12th of September is what it's looking like. Well, on this podcast, we've got, um, we've got well some stuff to talk about domestically. We've got the Aotearoa which continues to be a brilliant competition, continuing in the Super Rugby in Australia as well. Plenty of other things to talk about. More politics off the field, obviously, because this is rugby. Um, but just one quick thing. Did you see Maru Itoji has done a, an article with Vogue magazine? Yeah. Well, I saw he's on the cover. I've not read it. Have you read it? Well, no, I've read, I've read um, a summarised excerpt from it. So I thought I'd ask you a few questions based on what he said. See how you get on. Oh, like so, a quiz? Yeah, a bit like a quiz. So the first one was Maru Itoji was was asked to describe his personal style, which he oh. des- which well no that's not the question which he described as he takes a lot of inspiration from the nineties era. He said he loves granddad colours, simple oh. neutrals like beige, cream, black, and white. But then he mentioned he says he likes wearing designers at events, but he shops mostly at dot 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 he mentioned two places you can get clothes what, what do you think Mario Toji said Ooh. 
great one. So I'm going to say, because he said he likes wearing designers at events, I'm going to say something like TK Maxx and... TK Maxx and Marks and Spencers. <laughs> Marks and Spencers might not be a bad shout, actually. because If he likes Grandad colours. Gra- yeah. Grandad colours, but also... Like, Mark, um, Mario Toji shopping in like um, fashion retailers aimed at younger people, for example, Topman or um, I don't know, H&M or somewhere like that. He's not going to get clothes to fit him. You know, it's this a great is a great shout. Tremendous point. Me and Phil went to uh, were at Zara years and years and years ago. It must be like six years ago. And I was horrified. I, I could not get a single thing, thing to fit. And actually, just on a rugby point of view, didn't you see Carl Eastman in Zara once? Uh, me? Yeah, you. I'm sure. I'm sure it's you that said, said that you saw Carl Eastman in Zara. I can't. Re- if if I did, I can't re- remember it. But those sh- most <laughs> shops, you're right, are not. They 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 actively make their clothes to make only spindle-like um, hippie or I don't know. They just they they want to keep rugby players and rugby fans away because yeah. Well- Two types of guys that can shop in those shops, right? The ones which are ultra vainly stacked. The ones that, you know, might be supplementing them. Only the upper body, though, not their legs. Oh, yeah. The the trouser fits are disgusting. Um, And then, (laughs) you know, they're kind of like the noodle-armed types. So, But there's there's between. Yeah, Maro Maro doesn't really fit in. Well, his legs are just too powerful, too big. Get this, he said, so he actually said, I'm a bit of an awkward size because I have long arms, big shoulders, a thin waist, long legs and big feet. He's like, all right, Maro, easy, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm basically like a perfect Adonis. <laughs> what size <Yeah>. Adonis? <laughs> Phil, would What's... you like to venture a guess? Um, I don't know. I mean, that might not be a bad shout, you know. Um, I'm going to go, just because I'm wearing one, uni- Uniqlo and... Um, I don't know. Uh, I'm tr- struggling to even think of fashion retailers. Patagonia, Patagonia, go for them. Yeah. <laughs> he went for ASOS. Okay, uh, she's yeah. like the opposite of TK Maxx. He doesn't want he doesn't want to rummage through a rack. He wants to just order it online, get it sent yeah. to him. And the other one he mentioned was Gap. Gap. Oh, I know. I've not, I've I've not shopped at Gap in about fifteen years. There's some gaps. American, American sizing. Ah, uh, there you go. Mm. And he okay. also, he was asked, there's one more question. He was asked, um, they said, you're the highest paid rugby player in the country, so what do you splurge on? He said, I don't know what other people are paid, so I can't speak to that, but I'm a very simple guy, not too flashy. I spend my money on, what do you think he said? Um, is, is the answer solicitor's fees for image rights deals? <laughs> <laughs> Um, hob, hobnobs and Yorkshire tea. Oh, somebody, right? That'd <laughs> be funny. The, the, the people at Vogue, they're, they're probably very nice people, but I have severe doubts if they know the pay structure of rugby. I, I, <laughs> I am guessing either Morrow has told them that he's the highest paid player. Maybe his agent has. They certainly have not found that out themselves. He, he might be the highest paid player when you stack all endorsements together because of his, like, whatever it is, muscle fuel, my protein, or whatever he does, plus Vitality, plus Adidas, plus, 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 plus uh, Nigel Ray's 900K 
Yeah, yeah, probably. I, it'd be interesting to know if, if Vogue meant his club salary or everything combined. Every uh, yeah, because I, I, I yeah. maybe. So go Ooh. on, Tim. What what is he? Uh, he just said simply. He, he spends his money on the basics, a nice house and decking it out. <laughs> nice house. Yeah, that could be anything, couldn't it? Oh, partly paid for by Nigel Ray. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that, decking it out. I mean, that, that's, that's a good answer because it sounds humble when actually, that, that is actually a humble brag, isn't it? It, it? it depends what you're decking it out with. Parquet floor, chandeliers. Jacuzzi's filled with champagne. Bang and yeah. Olufsen sound system and telly. Yeah, decking out. Come on, Mario. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Uh, so starting with a little quiz. Uh, let's dive into... Um, well, where do you want to dive into first? Well, I mean, I guess you could both say sorry for ridiculing me for saying that Manu Tulangi should take a short term deal. I guess we could start that and just move our way on. So, yeah, you, you were right, JB. Well, you, you, you did you say were... he was only going to join till the end of the season. He is joining till the end of next season. Yeah, he is. So a bit longer than I... I just thought... I mean, I, I honestly didn't know that. I honestly didn't, didn't know. Well, you know I don't, didn't know because I got it wrong. But um, I just thought, like, what would I advise him to do? And it makes a lot of sense, actually. Get a lot of security. And maybe he doesn't need the game tape. I can see that. <laughs> but I, I do think he does. I do think he needs to remind people constantly that he is fit and that he is firing. So yeah, it's good. good, good bit. Well, I think he's averaged over his Leicester career. He's averaged twelve games a season when you factor in all his injuries. And one of the things Steve Diamond came out and said uh, after the signing, and one of the things which apparently Manu said was a, a contributing factor to him choosing Sale. Steve Diamond says he wants to get 15 or 16 games out of him. You have mentioned before, JB, and one of sales philosophies is to do a lot of recovery work, not a lot of hard work, certainly not the old Tuesday Leicester basham nope. up sessions to try and get more out of the players. Yeah. Sorry, how many games a year at Leicester was that? I think he averaged 12 over his whole career. 12, 12 games? 12 per season. But he played... So I... I saw he played 95 Premiership games since 2010. So that's nine Premiership games per season, he's averaging. £33,000 a game for Leicester. That's phenomenal. <laughs> £25,000 a game for sale if he's on the same money. But I, I doubt very much he, he is. Um, yeah. Go on, sorry. I, I, was, I was going to make a point just on... So, like, you, you're definitely right on the short-term deal, and I do think that makes sense for sale. Um, the bit that makes sense for Manu, having read a little bit about this, is I and um, I think this is going to go legal with Manu and Leicester, uh, provided that Manu is not on the full Leicester Tigers money, which I don't think he will be. And if it goes legal, he's got to show that he's made um, reasonable steps to mitigate his losses in salary. As in, if he was on half a million pounds a year, if he doesn't take a, a contract going forward then he's done nothing to mitigate his losses so he would struggle to reclaim the full difference whereas mm. by taking a contract um he's at least taken reasonable steps to mitigate his losses and therefore can sue for the difference between what sailor paying him and what Leicester are paying him so it wouldn't surprise me if that's going to happen but also the reason why it'd be a short-term deal makes sense because the market for rugby players right now is not the same as it was when Manu signed that deal. As yeah. in, there is less money around. 
So it makes sense for him to take a short-term deal, hoping that the market is going to firm up and he will be able to get an enhanced deal, ideally in the UK, but potentially elsewhere. Also, don't, don't forget, post-Lions, maybe Manu thinks, I'm 29.30, I've had a good knock with England, I'll, uh, I'll go take my billionaire French paycheck for a few years. Exactly yeah. right. right. And just to your point on how sale operate, I mean, you, you could legitimately be a sale, sale rugby player and see as little as, say, 16 hours a week at the training ground, which is hardly anything. The amount of contact they're, they're asked to do, they do do contact, but it's infrequent. You know, it's very, very controlled, short, sharp uh, bit, bit, bits of contact, uh, con- uh, contact. And I think, I'm right in saying, the last player to get seriously injured in sale was... Um, trying to, oh, it was a Killi- hooker. Killian Willis. <laughs> uh, uh. <laughs> Tim, Tim. No, Tim. Uh, it was Joe Ward, the, uh, the hooker. Joe Ward got injured badly in training. And that, I think that was the last one, and that was like a decade ago or so. so f- I, I, I like that approach of, of training. I, I, it, it might not work for all clubs, um, as, as in all clubs down the, the hierarchy of um, the leagues. But at the highest level, you, want, you guys know how to tackle. You don't need to put them through the, the ringer every single week, week in, week out. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of easy on it. I think if that's how you want to do, do it and that's how you get your success because you need to get your best players out on the field, fine. On the other hand, not everyone can do that. In the same way, I say not everyone can be Rob Baxter. You know, you've got to come to your own approach and it, uh, that works for sale. And hopefully it'll work for Manu. Well, mm. on, the, on the sort of training and conditioning side of things, have you seen the picture of Stuart Hogg this week? Yes, quads. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, it's quads, but that, that Exeter shape, it normally takes people a little bit longer to develop the shape. Like, like ex- players go to Exeter and they get a, a bigger bottom half of their body, their, their <laughs> rump. They get that mm. big, powerful rump. Their legs get really powerful. And Stuart Hogg, he's been shifting a bit of tin already, I think. Yeah, he looks good, doesn't he? He looks so powerful. His quads so, look great. He looks awesome. He looks ready to scrimmage. <laughs> he could be a hooker yeah exactly <laughs> I like my backs also I think we, <laughs> we can reveal um, judging by that picture as well that the Exeter Chiefs barber is not part of the bubble that's returned to the club yet because his hair his hair looked a bit like Phil's to be honest it was yeah it did a bit didn't it yeah um, back to Leicester Tigers there's some good news this week uh, Jordan um, Talfua is going to be signing with the club. It appears that the deal to Bezier has fallen through. The, the, the Middle Eastern billionaire that was going to be taking over that club is not going to be doing so. And that means, well, apparently Lima Sopawanga and Jordan Talfua, among others, were due to be heading off. Rory Teague was going to be going there and Alex King was going to be going there. None of that's happening. So Jordan Talfua has re-signed with Leicester, which is good news for them. Yeah, that is great news for them. I mean, that's really important, actually, because, well, first of all, it's a great club, a grand club, and they need those fans need some good news. So, Talfua, delighted, delighted about that. Um, it'll also be important from a rugby point of view because they need a ball carrier, and that's and that's what he does. He's a great player. He's going to be doing a lot of carrying. Him, him, and Genge is going to be quite a lot of carrying on their shoulders because of the guys that they've lost as well. Like, yeah. Uh, Manu, for example, and Guy Thompson have done a lot of heavy yards in that team. Although, do you know what? I think if they could have their time again, Leicester, 
with who they're going to re-sign and whatnot, they would have kept Guy, Guy Thompson. I cannot think of a good reason to get rid of Guy Thompson in the state that they're in right now. Uh, yeah, I completely agree. <laughs> yeah. But I might after him. Because where is he? Isha? Is he in? Ealing. E- e- I keep calling him Isha. Ealing. I mean, I'd be tempted to ask Ealing, what's it going to take coming from back? Well, did, just on that, did you see there was a young Ealing back, I think he was, who um, Toulon have triggered a release clause in his contract? Really? I don't, I don't know anything. I just saw the kind of the headline. Um, don't know anything more about it than that. But that's, that's interesting. Isn't it just? Uh, in, is he English? I assume so, yeah. Who's that, sorry? Obertin, Obertin Boyo? Uh, don't know. No. Oh, no, because he, he's gone to Toulon. I missed, I missed who you said. It just cut out. Yeah, I'm not, sh- not sure his name. All I saw was, I'll try and look it up now. All I saw was the, um, an Ealing player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was uh, Obertin Boyo. He was from the Sar- Saracens Academy. I think his brother is still there, unless it's the same guy. Uh, okay. Um, but he's gone. Yeah, his agent just called him up and said, do you speak French? Toulon want you, so... Yeah, yeah. Ha- Harrison. Yeah, Harrison Abatin Yumbo. Looks like Alex Shaw has got an eye for talent after all, eh? Clearly. Yeah. So, um, yeah. but but there's more good news for Leicester this week because they've got they've got the, some great new kits. Uh, Talk about the Tiger stash. So they re- they've released their new kits for the season. The first stash watch um, we can we can have a look at for the new season. And t- Tigers have gone away from the horizontal hoops to the slanted diagonal hoops. And, um, yeah, let's talk about that one first. Your thoughts? <laughs> I, it's, it's hard to work out where to, where to start on this. Um, okay, so, Leicester are, as I mentioned before, probably the, fire, the finest club it, um, in England. And the recipe for this club is, is fairly straightforward, actually. It doesn't really need much changing. And their shirts, it's the easiest shirt in the league, maybe other than Bath, to get right. It is hoops. It doesn't have to be full hoops, actually. A few years ago, they had a solid green with a thin red and a thin white hoop, and it looked absolutely incredible. But somehow they managed to mess it up time and time again. And putting your hoops on a slant, whose idea was that? It, it seems like the most... It, it, it's, an, it's an abuse of power. It's an absolute outrage. All you need to do is put hoops on a shirt. It's not particularly difficult. And I find the home shirt more offensive then I find the chain shirt. Now, the chain shirt is legitimately awful. The chain shirt has been made, and I'm guessing they thought the main demographic that shows up to Tigers week in, week out, are woke Twitter users who really want to wear this shirt. So at least I understand that shirt. At least I understand that that, that, that shirt is there basically to signal that you're a great person. And but just to, whole- just to explain to anyone, it's, um, it's royal blue with like parts of a tiger print pattern on the shoulders in all sorts of different colours. Colours of the rainbow. Rainbow colours, yeah. Yeah, it's, it, I mean, it's, at least I understand that shirt. I can't for the life of me work out what they were thinking with the home shirt. I mean, the home shirt is, is awful. It is awful. There's, there's one, I mean, the home shirt, you're exactly right that they've just like thrown tradition and history out the window and created something with the, with the diagonal that is disgusting. At least it is, um, it's the right color palette. It's not an offensive color palette. The, the green's the correct green. They've not done, I don't know, lime green or anything like that. Um, but that's, that's about all it gets right. Because besides that, it is bad. And it's, it's like, 
it's like Leicester have looked at their history and things that have gone wrong recently, which is um, sticking to Leicester values and have just ripped up the Leicester values to make these two shirts. But then the irony is that can't be the way they've done it because they've actually stitched the values into the collar of the shirts oh, to show to show their their values. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the only home shirt Leicester have ever had, which is worse than that, was the fade, it, the one side to the other way, it, fa- um, it faded out. For life of me, I do not... I mean, it was so easy, wasn't it? It was the, ca- so... the camouflage. The camouflage one was pretty bad as well. It was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. I mean, to get to the shirt that they have, to the home shirt, they would have had to have designed the original shirts and then using a, 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 piece, a computer program, slightly twisted, slightly, added a slight angle to, to their hoops. And then they thought that that was a good idea. Everyone needs sacking. Everyone responsible for <laughs> Similar as that. I mean, I can actually let I can actually let the away one go a little bit because obviously I think it's ridiculous. But at least I understand it. I cannot understand it for the life of me what what they were doing with home shirt. I'm a little old fashioned in the sense that, like on on the subject of the away jersey, that the, the little strap line they've put with it is our community, our club. I think actually, as as well as you might be saying that it's it's reflecting. Um, pride and the LGBT thing with the rainbow colours and everything. I, I get it. I think it also might be, given the specific demographic of Leicester, I think it might be Diwali as well. Um, I think that might be part, I think it might be part of it. The, 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 the very large um, community there that would celebrate Diwali every year. Well, I'm much more sympathetic to that than I am mm. else. No, well, um, I don't know that that's the case, but I'm, I'm thinking with it being Leicester, that that may, that may well be the case. I mean, I actually don't... I, they're, they're very fortunate in a way, because if they released a nice Leicester home kit and then the alternative one, I think I would have gone... I think I'd have been so, so horrified by the second one that we'd be talking about that. But somehow they provided cover for their, for their away shirt, their alternative strip, with their home shirt, which is remarkable, um, <laughs> even when you actually think about it. But I was gonna I was gonna say I'm slightly old fashioned in terms of even the change kit, whilst I get the concept, I am old fashioned in the sense that I like kits being in club colours. And I also think that I think rugby is one of those sports, although it's 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 never bad to highlight values and, and inclusivity and things like that. I always I think rugby is a sport where we can be proud that that is the default assumption that clubs are community minded, that they're welcoming places to go. And I think that you, you prove your inclusivity and you prove your community spirit with deeds, not words yeah. or gimmicky kits. How about this? Our club, our community, or whatever it says. Um, whose club, sorry? Because last time I checked, we knew exactly who the shareholders were and we knew that they weren't willing to give away any of their club to fulfil their financial commitments. So don't say our club, our community, when you hoarded all of your money and then made, and then was in breach of contract to five-year players, people that actually depend on you to pay their mortgages. So don't bother me with the sanctimonious our club, our our, uh, um, our community. They were bang out of order. I'm just going to. I'll balance that up slightly by saying that the the first team squad is one part of the club, but there's a lot of community outreach. The the academy is prolific and has a lot of relationships with schools and local clubs. So there's a little bit more to it than that. But yeah, I, I get I get what you're saying. Yeah. Um, so, so Jay, on on your point that um, you can't get as angry about the away kit because the home kit is so bad. Yeah. 
Lester then found a way to uh, water down your anger even further. This is all just dead cat stuff, isn't it? Let's put a dead cat on the <laughs> yeah. table. Don't worry yeah. about well, don't worry about all the financial stuff that's going on and all the players leaving. Look at this. <laughs> exactly. Get angry about this stuff um, because they they have introduced a new brand developed based on their old brand, but it's new and is going to be included on some of their merchandise going forward. A new logo. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I can I can only assume this is Siobhan from Perfect Curves work. If that what? makes any anyone doesn't have make any ever, sense to me. What's have you ever seen the BBC the BBC comedy about the BBC and they get an independent brand consultant and it's Siobhan from Perfect Curve. Oh, they had that in the build up to the Olympics, didn't they? Um, yeah. What was it called? WA one uh, uh, NW1 or something like that. No. Something like that. So I, it's something along those lines. Again, I think this is this is awful. I mean, I don't know how many times I can say outrageous or outrage <laughs> or disgrace without it's sort of starting to wear thin. But this is really, really bad, and it's bad. So the only, it's, well, it's bad because you just can't change your 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 badge for a sponsor. So you can, by all means, rebrand. By by all means, change your badge. Um, I just think it's disrespectful. And furthermore, the only way that this could possibly work is if Tops Tiles, because that's what I understand it's, it's there for, right? The TT. Tigers, Top Tiles, blah, 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 right? Is if Tops Tiles asked Lester Tigers, look, we have developed this logo for Tops Tiles, which shows that we are linked to you. Can we use it? Can Tops Tiles use it to put on all of our tiles and trowels and grouting products? Um, and that's what we'll do. It doesn't go the other way. You don't want to sponsor a rugby club so you can take over their brand and their image in fact that's the opposite you want to be associated with that um with that brand and image you don't want to change it so why lesser tigers would put this tt on you have sponsors for that you have a big sponsor saying top sales across uh, across the chest why you need to change change the club badge i don't know and if that's the bit of lesser stash that you have and it's relevant for two years it's just a bad idea um the 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 badge as well, the logo. So Leicester had an original badge. Their, yeah. cur their current badge is a modernised Leicester badge to make it uh, kind of, I don't know, more accessible, whatever it is, but easy, easier to replicate <laughs> compared to the older modernised. But this is like a further move in the same direction of, as their current badge, but just looks like much worse but if you want to like, if you want to see how um unoriginal it is just go to google images and type in tt logo <laughs> is just, it basically just do that now jb oh no tt logo and you'll see that it's so derivative oh yeah, you'll see it's yeah. so derivative there's so many other brands that have identical logos i just uh, yeah what the whole point is not least tesla by the way oh yeah <laughs> Um, Leicester Tigers, I keep saying it over and over again, are the grandest, proudest club in the whole nation. They don't need to be changing their badge. I mean, I wouldn't let Talk H change their badge. Not it'd be down to me, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't like it. I wouldn't want it. By all means, put your, you know, put your sponsors on uh, your shirts, on training shirts, and whatever. But don't change your badge. No one, no one is going to look at that badge and say, oh, look, there's Leicester Tigers. I go, look, that's a funny TT. I have no idea what, like, what that means. I and don't the know. Whole... 
no, I, I agree with you on this T this T logo. I don't I don't understand the the purpose of it, but I disagree with you on changing your logos because I think Gloucester's is better now than it was. I no, think no, Leic- no, Leicester's is better than if, it was. If you want to change your logo, right? Uh, like Bristol Bears have done, or you know, that's a complete rebrand. Or, or the club wants to do it, and it's done because they want to, you know, more accessible, and there's a lot of the history of the club, and you know, fine. If it's there for two years because you've accepted a sponsor deal, that is not fine. And also think about this, Tim. If you are Tim Cocker Limited or PLC, Tim Cocker PLC. Yeah. Thank you, PLC. Sure, yeah. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> sure what Tim PLC does, but you want the kudos of sponsoring Leicester Tigers. You wouldn't then want you know, to rearrange the Tigers brand on certain bits of kit because then they don't get, then the whole point of you sponsoring them doesn't make any sense because you put top styles on the TT logo and people go, Oh, what, who's that funny TT? What, what's that funny TT badge? It's Leicester Tigers. That's why you sponsor them because you want to be associated with all the good things that comes with Leicester Tigers. Well, we don't know it's to do with top styles. That would actually make sense. But I, I wonder what maybe it's because, you know, that, that they've, they've spied that what's going to happen soon. Once uh, people have got their teeth into Exeter Chiefs, is people are going to be coming after Leicester for glorifying uh, an endangered species? And uh, maybe, maybe they're just thinking, let's get ahead of this one. <laughs> um, just on that, I think I'm with you there, Tim. I don't know if the actual um, press release said Tops Tiles. I think I'm getting that from people on Twitter. So if, it, it, if it's the, not, I, I completely apologise, but I'm pretty sure it is. The, the press release did not say... It made a reference to Tops Tiles just because this will this new logo will be on some uh, piece of mer- merchandise where the other new sponsors will be, which include Tops Tiles. But it's it definitely they did not say it's TT because of Tops Tiles. I've, it's I've, not the Leicester Tigers, is it? <laughs> tigers, Tigers. Like, oh, unless it's an upside down L. <laughs> what to, to reflect the 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 win rate the last few years? <laughs> I've got uh, I've got the their um, original badge shield whatever you want to call it. It's got it, like here. griffins on it or something, hasn't it? Or it's it's got two lions, tigers. It looks like um, a shield with a, a a white flower and a rugby ball. It's got a knight's um, head, knight's helmet, uh, and then a dragon. It look it looks really cool. It looks it's exactly what you want from an old school. Rugby badge. Uh, but apparently that won't reach the right demographics and we need to grow the sport. And the only way we can possibly engage people is by having two Ts. Otherwise, you know, the fans will not show up. <laughs> if it's not a tiger's head, how will, they, how will the low IQ people that we are targeting possibly realise it's a tiger and show up? How could that happen? How excited am I that, that rugby will be back soon and we can have like, <laughs> proper stuff to talk about? It'd be great. Well, we, we did have some rugby this week. And we had... In Super Rugby Aotearoa, two unbelievable games. Well, yeah, there was there was Australian Super Rugby, but I've, I'm just going to admit it: I can't get excited or interested in the Australian rugby. Yeah, I, mean, I, th- I think mainly because I'm sensing the lack of interest, the total apathy within the country of Australia. It kind of filters to me, and I think, why sh- why should I care then? I, I have tried to care. I've really tried to care. Uh, we kind of went over the reasons that I don't last week. And it's, yeah, you're right, Tim. It's sort of sad. I, I'd love to disagree, but um, I'm, I don't, don't really care about the Australian. But I am absolutely loving oh, yeah. Super Rugby Aotearoa because it's, it's talented players, um, intelligently coached squads. They, they can play different styles at different times. And all the games mean something. Like you, you see the two wins in this, 
it really meant something to my beloved Keynes and uh, Tim, Tim's Landers. Tim's beloved oh, Landers. my boys. My Landers did the business. 24 points down with half an hour to go. The, the, there was, they had absolutely no right to lose that game. Gat, but Gatlin does it again. The only time he hasn't lost since the, the, since, uh, the, the season restarting is when his team isn't playing. He must Goodbye. be thinking, what have I got myself in for? <laughs> I, impressive, isn't it? Mind you, five losses by only 27 points. Yeah, but it 24 is... points up with 30 minutes to go. Yeah. There's no I mean, excuse. I mean, there's obviously something that, that, I mean, that to me says there's an issue there. A, a, a commitment issue, a confidence issue, a leadership issue. I don't know what it is, but there's, if, you, if your team is 24 points up with half an hour to go and loses, you've, there's, there's something serious that needs to change. I think there's a, a typing error on like the team documentation. And the typing error goes something like, like this. It was meant to be New Zealand attack with Gatland defence. And what they've actually got is Gatland attack with New Zealand defence. <laughs> <laughs> I, I imagine Sean Edwards is going to be zooming in um, this, uh, this week. He's going to be asking very nicely for Mr. Edwards to give a, at least a speech or something. <laughs> An impassioned speech. Maybe bring some wolves or a bear <laughs> or something. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's quite embarrassing, actually, because I guess Gatland is using this as a... Also, he doesn't need to showcase anything really, but oh no, hang on, he doesn't need to prove anything to me because I followed Wales and I know what he's capable of, and I've seen him coach the Lions, and I have no doubt he'll go and coach the Lions to be brilliant. I have no doubt, but there is a feeling that there's unfinished business down in New Zealand, and it's the New Zealand public that are skeptical of him, and his yeah, I think he wants to be seen in the same light he's seen up here by his contemporaries down in New Zealand. So I do think this really matters to him. Really matters. Uh, yeah, I, I think you'd be right in that. Because um, he would, he'd at least want to be discussed in line for the All Blacks role, even if he's decided that he's, he's actually never going to do it, never going to get the opportunity because of the, the way that the, the transition from those roles from one person to the next within the camp Jo yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Joe Schmidt's played a blinder by just go on then, Warren. You go, you go do that. I'll just sit back and chill. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, it seems unlikely that if a Super Rugby coach was going to be picked for the next All Blacks coach, that it's not Scott Robinson, does yeah, it? Yeah, totally. It would be Scotty Robertson. Robertson, yeah, very would, unlikely. Yeah, it would be very hard to argue anything different other than Scotty Robertson. Yeah, um, but in this game, like, so Chiefs were thirty-one-seven up with just over half an hour to go, and Tim's beloved Landers, yeah, um, die-hard die Landers fan, um, man and boy, were, were for, I mean they were their defence in the first, um, well, the, the whole of the first half was pretty woeful, pretty amateurish, but the way that they turned it round and. In particular, Aaron Smith was just... He's so unreal. good. I've, well, I've always... I don't know why, but I've always... It's probably because of my love for TJ Perinara, but I've always kind of missed... Like, I know... Yes, I know Aaron Smith's passing is good, and yes, I know he's like a, a clear decision maker, but I, I don't know. I've never really seen why he was... Seen to be so far ahead of TJ Perinara, because I, I loved... TJ, I still do. I think he's amazing. But um, 
I, I always thought TJ Perinara was like a, bit, a more complete all-round player. But having watched this, I mean, Aaron Smith has just been unreal in this tournament. He's probably shown why he's, if not the best, he's top two scrum halves in the world. Yeah, um, I completely agree. And like I said a few episodes ago, um, you don't need much more than the best scrum half in the world in order to turn it around. <laughs> yeah. Win something when, uh, when you've got, got him about. The other guy as well, and I don't know, I didn't see this game, um, so I'm not going to make any comment on who played well or not. But when I've seen them play in, in the past, Shannon Frizzell is something else. Uh, I'm, yeah, uh, he's, uh, there's, there's a good case. Not, not just Frizzell, but a couple of others. There's a good case that Sam Kane, <laughs> as captain, could be, could be struggling if it's picked on merit to actually get a place in the team. Well, I mean, yeah. energy that Frizzell, Audi Surveyor, maybe fits Sam Kane as a, as a third man there, unless I'm missing someone. Um, the Toto? Well, oh, oh, I see what you mean. As in the third one in the back row? Or, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Satoto, Satoto's playing really well. You've got um, Papali'i's looking destructive. Right. Papali'i, answer me this. Is that, is that like an indigenous um, name from, from the Southern Hemisphere? Or is that a mispronounced Italian name? Uh, I'm, uh, the former, I think. Although he does remind me so much of... Um, um, what's his face? Pelledri. Yeah, I, I, I kind of thought, are they saying that wrong? Are they saying it in a New Zealand way when it should be said in, like, in, a, in an Italian way? No, it's, a, it's an indigenous yeah. name. Yeah, there is an apostrophe um, partway through it, well, very close to the end of it. So I would assume, yes, it is um, Pacific Islander or Maori. But on, yeah. the, on, the, on the Aaron Smith point, and, and you know, it, it's one thing to have all the skills and stuff, but what I love about Aaron Smith so much is when, when a team needs something, he just takes responsibility, and those are the guys you love. The ones that aren't, don't just do incredible things in a, in a meaningless game, they, they step up when it really matters. And when your team's in a hole, just grabs the team by the scruff of the neck in exactly the way that Warren Gatland doesn't appear to have anyone in his side that, that can do the same. Not when the yeah. pressure comes on for Gatlin's men. No. That's the problem. They could do it early on in the game when no pressure on and um, Landers aren't switched on. But when the pressure comes on, they crumbled. Yeah, um, he is pretty cool because he, he's basically the se- like the centre of their universe. Every, everything goes for him, as you'd expect from um, from, a, from a scrum half. But you're right; he has that stamp stamp of, stamp of authority. Yeah, he's superb. And that, that's a hell of a win for, for Highlanders away. It really is. Away at the Chiefs. Really good, really good win for your beloved Canes, Phil. Yeah, because it's two brilliant games. No, there's one brilliant game, and then there was this game. This was a brilliant game. I no, love this game. Even slightly. Um, I'm, I, I'm, I'm more upset when the Blues lose now than when um, Tok H lose. <laughs> I have got so invested in this and the rot is it feels like the rot is set, um, uh, has set in a bit here I, I do know what you mean and like I said I said ahead of the um, Crusaders game when the Blues played Crusaders that the Blues have been the worst team in New Zealand for a long period of time and you can just you can see that mentality I'm- starting to creep back in where they, they're beaten before they actually get into the arm wrestle. 
yeah, they are. Um, they, they're sort of remembering where they should be. Yeah, it just felt this. This result just felt inevitable. Even even when Blues were fifteen seven up um, halfway through the first half, even when they scored those two quick um, pushover tries midway through the second half to go um, a good score, I think two scores ahead. Um, even oh no, sorry, they did go one score ahead with that five even points ahead. That, yeah, yeah. 27-22 at that point. Even yeah. when that happened, you, you still thought the Canes are in this. And Canes with with Lau Mappi and with Jordi Barrett on the field, they can do pretty much anything. Can we talk about Lau Mappi's first try a second in the early stages? Yes, please. And did um how did how did one of the quickest men in world rugby, Bowden Barrett, get gassed by so, Lau Mappi? I've watched this a number of times and I I can only assume that um, Bowden Barrett has seen Laumapi do that so many times and was just fully expecting him to cut back inside and put his head down. And so Bowden was like, so if it was a winger in that position, Bowden's hips would have been facing towards the touchline. Use the touchline as your defender. Yeah, yeah, ready for him to go, uh, for him to go outside. But Bowden's hips were... They were facing inwards, basically ready for Laumapi to cut back in and try and break um, the tackle between Bowden and the inside defender. So he just what he really was not expecting it, which gave Laumapi the opportunity. But then Laumapi needed the pace because even when Bowden got up to full pace, because he had he had it was fifty yards out. Even when Bowden got up to full pace, he still he didn't have the time to catch Laumapi. But almost, I don't understand. I don't. I don't understand that as an error because, as you say, you use the the touchline as your friend, and you almost stand. Yeah, Bowden should stand with his shoulders to like so he's open towards the touchline to try and push Laumapi that way. Almost in a way, if Laumapi steps inside Bowden, it's job done. Yeah, in a funny way because there's a man inside him who can take you can take him. But anyway, I just thought it's a big error. But it, 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 I mean, do you just? I mean, I'm not saying it. I'm not, but picking up on what JB has said in previous weeks, Bowden Barrett, for, I don't know, he's exactly not quite, it's not quite who we imagined he he should be sometimes. Well, I mean, uh, Barrett was excellent, excellent at fullback this week, but Geordie Barrett, I mean, Geordie Barrett showed his brother exactly how to play, exactly how to play play the position. Um, I don't know if you remember this bit, but. There was like a crossfield kick, and he had two blues players either side of him. So he just you know casually jumped up, claimed the ball. Geordie Barrett is a legitimately very, very, very good fullback. Um, Bowden, not so much. He just it just takes away too, too takes away too much of his game. The, the boy's the best fly half in the world. Put him at fly half. Well, but Bowden's best moment in the game was his try, which he was first receiver at. And it was the show and go, accelerate, and he's got more than enough pace to just cruise down the middle under the post. But that's that's from first receiver. From fullback, he didn't. He hardly um, ran or returned it with interest. And this was this is to a point you were making last week, Jay. If you want um, a solid fullback who's going to kick, so take take the ball solidly and kick corners and kick efficiently, maybe you're wasting the world's best fly half by putting him in that fullback role 
it's more to do, isn't it, with the All Blacks being able to have two great players in, in Richie Moonga and Bowden Barrett. And Bowden Barrett sneaks into the line and does one of those things. Now, maybe for the All Blacks it makes sense because you just, you know, maybe you want that bit of magic at first receiver when uh, Moonga's not available. But you have Richie Moonga, who is awesome. Uh, Ossia Black is very, very good. But Bowden Barrett is so much better. And that's what I would say. Yeah. And Mitch Hunt for the Landers is a very good fly half. He had, he had a great game, particularly in the second half. Took his try superbly well. Great pace for his try. But he's not Bowden Barrett at 10. Exactly. Um, oh, massive, massive update here. Um, Dalton Papali'i, according to Wikipedia, does not spell his name with the apostrophe. Really? Yeah. However, I have also looked up the, the origins of the name Papali'i, uh, and it is Samoan. Okay. So, Big news followed by not big news at all. (laughs) Huge. (laughs) Huge. Huge. Um, Mask. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast. And up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. So, um, like, Laumapi... What like man? It's um, you know how like uh, black holes are just infinite levels of uh, amounts of density packed into a tiny, basically a pinpoint, um, incredible level of density. So you get a singularity. I reckon somewhere in the uh, the cent- the um, center of gravity of Laumape, there is a singularity because the, the <laughs> density that, that that guy has in his body is unreal. He yeah. he's phenomenal. He's he's such an awkward player to tackle as well because he's he's so fast. We we saw just how fast he really is. He's so explosive. He's so muscular, and he's so low to the ground. And when he runs, his center of gravity is so low to the ground. It's it's just an absolute nightmare to try and tackle him. Because he's kind kind of a rugby answer to like sort of Mike Tyson. He's quite a similar. Quite a similar build to Mike Tyson, isn't he? How 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 tall are you, Phil? About five eight. Five eight. Five eight. Uh, and you're a fairly muscular chap, right? What yeah. do you weigh? Uh, about eighty kg. Just 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 over on good days or bad days. Lau Mape is one inch shorter than you, and twenty three kilograms heavier. Yeah, I'm, pro- I'm probably a fair bit faster than me as well. <laughs> Come on, mate. Not sure about that. <laughs> Maybe he, a little bit. I'm not. I'm not sure I ever would have gasped Bowden Barrett in my, in my prime. But could he unfairly smear the final organisation of of Sale Sharks and um, on their stadium? Well, we just don't know, do we? <laughs> I might. I might actually see if he wants to join the good fight. I'll give yeah. Lomapia. But that's the kind of bloke I want on my side in this fight yeah, against right. against the evil empire of Sale Sharks trying to destroy our our green belt, our flood Mersey floodplain. This is an outrage, an absolute outrage. 
I just, I, I just realised I mentioned Mike Tyson. Did you see what he's going to be doing? I know this is nothing to do with rugby, but um, did you see what he's going to be doing for Shark Week? Is, is Shark Week on again? Discovery Channel Shark Week. They had Michael Phelps racing a shark before, which was a joke. He wasn't actually racing a shark, but uh, so I don't think this. Will, I think this will be a farce as well. But Mike Tyson's going to fight a shark. They've dubbed it Rumble what? on the Reef. Wow! How are they going to do that? It sounds it sounds dangerous. I see, a genuine one they could actually do is get Nick Cummins, the honey badger, fighting an actual honey badger. I know it wouldn't work for Shark Week, but Discovery Channel could, could probably get a show out of that. Aren't, How? Honey, aren't honey, honey badgers, like, really actually dangerous? Like, yeah, really, really vicious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How much does the honey badger weigh? Oh, it's not big, but they're just... just yeah. they're, they're, they are nails. It's all the attitude. <laughs> they're just hard. Yeah, but, like... You know, so if you think about a human weight, so we like, okay, so, you know, we talk about Lao Mappe there being 25 or 23 kilograms heavier than Phil, and that is substantial for humans. But I'm pretty sure like a leopard is like 50 kilograms and can rip a human, human to bits. Okay, Google, so, how heavy is a honey badger? Let's find out. So we're talking like 10 to 15 kgs for a honey badger. But think about a... 30 kilogram uh, Alsatian. That, that would definitely be a human. So I think we're nearly in the realm of a fair fight here. <laughs> I'd like to see Lao Mappe and a chimp. No, 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 you don't want to see that. You don't want to see that. Chimp, chimps are horrific. I, I genuinely want to see the honey badger versus the honey badger now. Yeah. <laughs> I, think fair, I think this is a fair fight. Nick Cummins is in relatively good shape. He weighs about four or five. No, hang on. He'd be, about, he'd be about 80, 90 kg. Yeah, 90 kg probably, I'd guess, for the, for the honey badger. So honey he's, badger. he's like six times the weight of a honey badger. Yeah, Lao Mappe is losing to a chimp in about three seconds, and it's going to be really gruesome. But I think that the honey badger, this honey badger could go on for a couple of hours. Yeah, Nick, Nick Cummins is he's listed at 99 kg. Perfect. There you go. That is our, yeah, that's better than uh, Mike Tyson fighting a shark. <laughs> Discovery Channel, get it done. <laughs> right come on let me just ask you about i want to jump straight to pro 14 and well it links with new zealand who have said and it seems like they're not even negotiating they've just said right we're breaking away we're not doing any of this sans our bollocks we are we're gonna form a league with the new zealand teams possibly with the australian teams if they want to and a pacific islands or pacific a pacifica team they said yeah uh, Completely leaving South Africa and the Haguares, which explains why a load of their players are moving to Europe currently, out in the cold. So, firstly, your thoughts on that? Good. I mean, it's not good because, well, the reason it's not good is there is a certain system and structure, and I feel for the people who will be caught up in the, you know, in this negatively. Mainly the people that are involved with the, with the Haguares who did so well. Being, you know, being a brand new franchise and eventually winning the final to now basically having nowhere to play. And that's really, really hard for the people involved there. So I'm not a fan of that. On the flip side, I'm a massive fan of New Zealand do, doing this. I, I, I kind of question what the benefit would be of getting Australia in. Maybe it's a bigger market or whatnot. But you see the, you know, the state that Australian rugby is in. It feels like the junior partner in this economically, although it's New, although it's new Zealand you know, in the wider world, uh, well, they'd be carrying Australian rugby. That, that, that's, that, that, uh, that's, that's how it feels to me. And also the distances, even though 
they are, you know, theoretically much closer. Well, they are not theoretically; they are much closer together. It's still enormous distances. Yeah, it's it. It feels like um, from a competitive nature and from a marketing nature, you would have been better to have New Zealand, South Africa. However, from a geographical distance and um, complexity or, or complication um, standpoint that doesn't work and from an ex a financial uh, from certainly from an expense standpoint that doesn't work i, um, I think the solution here would have been in terms of it, it doesn't solve it for the haguaros but this tournament we're watching at the minute as we've been saying captured the imagination you could do that. You could do an Aotearoa tournament, uh, an, an Australian Super Rugby tournament, uh, an internal South African one, and then teams go into uh, the top two teams in each or whatever, or top two and the two best runners. I don't know how it works. Yeah, go I into mean, these, a, a, not, a sort of knockout stage. These are small competitions, right? So, you know, obviously there's five teams in Aotearoa, there'd be five teams in the Australian one or six teams. They, they can play, away, play around with the teams however they want. And, of course, there's the South Africans. At the risk of complicating things, you know how much I hate complicated league structures. There's no reason why they couldn't break. So that the, you know, that the winner of each of the Arturoa-style uh, competitions then goes into a Champions League. It'd only take a handful of weeks, round robin, and then go back into your domestic league. Because you're going to need, in reality, a, little, a, a few more games than 10. Yeah, you you probably will need more than ten, just from a financial standpoint as well. Because ten five home games is not a lot to to build a franchise on mm. no, it's in, not. in terms of revenues. Um, they didn't actually. I think was it Mark Robinson, who's um, New Zealand's rugby CEO, who, who made the statement. I don't think he ruled out having some kind of uh, champion of champions type um, Champions League type thing um, mm. if if there is a, an equivalent South African and Argent, Argentine, for example, tournament. Because um, the, the, the full details of everything, like as in this is their proposal for one chunk of the season, the full details for the entirety of the season has not been revealed yet or proposed yet. Um, so this, it, could, it could link into others. And it's interesting because I... Super Rugby had already kind of stepped that way, as in... You had the the four no the three conferences. You had the New Zealand conference, the Australian conference, and then the South African conference. And the uh, in the previous iteration of Super Rugby, um, the Sunwolves were in the Australian conference, and the Haguaris were in the South African conference to make three pools of five. Um, but you still had like big away tours. So you, it's, it's almost like another step towards that. The local yeah. conference systems with then an overarching uh, tournament above it. So the Champions of Champions system, I quite like. I think the danger of it is rugby teams and their compositions change much more rapidly than football. So you know, if you've just made it into top four of football, you're likely to have a stronger squad next year than you are if you, you know, if, you won, say, Super Rugby, in which case everyone's going to steal all of your players. So there could be a problem in delaying that competition one year afterwards, whereas a playoff means you get the same team and that, and that, team, and that team will be firing and informed by the time you get there. Yeah, so, totally. I mean, I guess the big news here is the Pacific Islands side, which would be mm. a huge... That, that could be a huge boost for the, the, na the national side's to, to be able to offer that route 
for players that, that come through there to be able to offer a route back to that part of the world for some of the people that are elsewhere in the world? If they want to. And that's the thing. If they want to. I, I mean, sure. Uh, it has to be financially viable. Because, why, I mean, why would they not want to? Well, because they're in a lot. I mean, if, you, if you're on the verge of getting an England cap or a France cap, I, oh, no I, see, I see what you mean. I thought you meant why would I, as in a front, I thought you meant if they want to do a franchise. Yeah, of course, of uh, course. Yeah. Well. Here's the thing with New Zealand and the islands and South Africa, but maybe not Australia. They produce rugby players all the time. They love rugby. Uh, Australia's the outlier because, yes, they produce good players, but there's three other sports which are well, which are well ahead. Whereas in those other three countries, it's all about rugby. So I'm not really bothered that they lose their players because I'll just replace them with, with more. And they usually yeah, yeah. But, but to have a focal point. Yeah, it's, so yeah. It's fantastic. They, I think Fiji could probably lose all their players like they are now and still put out a decent side. They, they should. They yeah, one, one of the good things that this will, one of the problems that this will solve is the problem that um, particularly the New Zealand teams have with. Um, Islander players, and what I mean is, um, the New Zealand teams need to have a huge number. I don't know the exact proportion, but a huge number of their players eligible for New Zealand. So even though there are um, island heritage or island-born players in their squads, they won't play for Samoa, Tonga, Fiji while they're playing in New Zealand because it would compromise their New Zealand eligibility and therefore their place on that team. Does I do wonder if facing that, that team in Australia makes more sense. Pot- potentially, yeah. And th- there have been in the, I can't remember the name of the competition, but the, the equivalent of the Mitre Cup the and the Curry Cup. Cup. Not the yeah. NPC. In the national, the, the NPC was the old Mitre Cup, wasn't it? The, yeah, that, the, the Australian version. I know exactly yeah. what you mean. Whatever it is, the Australian version, there was a Fiji Warriors team who based themselves so they're Fijian players, or certainly a Fijian heritage player, but they're based in Australia. To play. Great, and I, yeah, I think I think this is a really positive move, and I think that the the local rivalries, and this is where I think the Australian New Zealand thing could could actually work, is the traditional rivalry between those two nations. Uh, there's always something extra with the Bledisloe Cup, and uh, and so I think it could it could capture people's imaginations a bit. The crowds, the banter between them all, and the time zones, like you say just doesn't work for South Africa. On the flip side, the, 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 the fact it could be pro-16 or pro-18 or pro-20 soon with all the South African teams heading north, has anyone just let them know that it's a 15-hour flight between Johannesburg and Dublin? Yeah, I mean, it's not great, is it? But at least you don't have the time differences. I know yeah. you said... I, I, South Africa should be able to look after itself, in my opinion. The uh, problem with South Africa, South Africa is a big nation population-wise. It's 50-odd million people. Huge. And it's big economically. It, well, it's mm, big for it? Africa economically, but where does it rank on the global stage economically? I'm not so sure. Yeah, I think they'll be fine. I think they'll be absolutely... I mean, yeah, they just... It's difficult, and they need to probably get to grips with the fact that they're going to lose players. But once you do... They, you know, they should be okay. And there's also talk a while ago of having two different Springboks teams. So a Springbok team for the Southern Hemisphere made up of the Super Rugby guys, 
a Springbok team for the Northern Hemisphere made up of the pro rugby guys, the pro 14 guys. Obviously, Ugh, that, that sounds disgusting. Yeah. But, then they, but then they come together. Well, you know, it sounds insane. But until relatively recently, I think Munster had two squads and they trained in two different areas and they came together once a week. So it wouldn't be the first time that an elite organisation had tried. Yeah. Um, uh, but then like Europe or South Africa versus Limerick and Cork is a little bit yeah. different. <laughs> and was, I mean, I heard somewhere that there's something like 300 South African registered players playing in Europe. I mean, that's, that's an incredible number and yet they still produce more players. Um, I think they'll be all right. And they, they produce a fair number of players who play for other countries, Ireland, Scotland, England, France yeah, as well. But, but, but I guess my general point is there's a lot of people that have touted a British league and all the rest of it in recent years. There's a lot of people that have talked about this new Pro 14 system. The great thing about the English Premiership is exactly what I think the penny has dropped with with New Zealand having gone through this Aotearoa tournament is actually the local rivalries and the history and the the fact that you're seeing players up against each other who are competing for national jerseys every week, the short distances so you can have a good atmosphere in the stadiums with both sets of fans, that's what, actually, that's what makes a rugby game. And we just have to look at our reaction to Arturoa. Started off, let's be honest, it was a little bit sceptical. We were excited to see rugby. I've got a whole new respect now for the, for the New Zealand club game just through watching this. Yeah, yeah, it, it is compelling. It's it's very very interesting. Um, but you can tell it means you can tell how much it means to the players that the niggle in every match. Yeah, yeah, because actually I think you're right there. When they play Super Rugby, they do play each other because of course there's conferences. But for the longest time, it's like yeah, we're all buddies in um, uh, we're all, we're all buddies in the All Blacks, and we sort of play each other every now and again. But now they're forced up against each other time and time again. Wouldn't surprise me actually if you if you see a substantial increase, that's possible, in the standard of the All Blacks. I wouldn't be surprised if this makes the All Blacks even better. Could well do. Potentially, yeah, potentially. But, which but is we think enough. about it in terms of like stories is actually what sport is in a way. Sport is if you think sport in pure terms, it's it's like a film. It's stories. And it's a better story going, like the build-up to the match this weekend, Geordie Barrett, Bowden Barrett, 15-15, first time they've ever played against each other. Brilliant. Right. Yeah, and, it, and it's, it's this, apart from on the farm. And uh, in the same way, when the Premiership returns, one of the first games is Bristol v Saracens, and you're going to have Ben Earl and Max Mallins, you're going to have the... The, the Saracens guys that know they're down having to come back and play Bristol are delighted the season started again and they could with their new players Rad Rada and stuff they could be pushing on to look for a, a championship this year it's just it's a, it's a good story Saracens championship as well stealing it from them yeah but Haguarez <laughs> at, um, at the Queensland Reds not a great story not really is it now back to Argentina and I could have this wrong. I have many things wrong, and I think I've said that quite a, long, quite a lot in, in this podcast. I could, could have this wrong. But I seem to remember someone telling me that in Buenos Aires, the amateur rugby cup competition there is the, is the largest and most well-attended amateur competition on the planet. So it probably it wouldn't surprise me, actually, because um, there, is, there is one professional club team in Argentina, Everything else is amateur. So as soon as you drop below the Jaguaras, 
it's That's all it. amateur. And it, yeah. there is a, a it's, Argentina is a large country and they are passionate rugby fans. Polo in the summer, rugby in the winter. Yeah. <laughs> what, a, what a life. While, while, we're, um, while you're confessing things that you've got wrong, JB, you did mention before that Jaguares won Super Rugby. Did they I lost... say it got to the final? They lost to yeah. the Crusaders, didn't they? They did, correct. Yeah. In my, in my mind, they won. <laughs> they won the hearts. They won the hearts and minds. They did. Yeah. They certainly did. Hey, whilst we're on this, have you read the Stephen Jones story? Whilst we're down in, uh, in yeah, some... I was going to suggest we, we jumped onto this, which is, is uh, yeah, I think, you know, as much as you've... I think it's right to whoever it is. I think it's right to give credit where credit is due. And the, the journalism from the Times and from Stephen Jones in this story from Fiji is, is really good. I wasn't aware of this at all. Yeah. So the story basically is this. Um, one of the Fiji Sevens players uh, was um, accused and then subsequently convicted of rape, locked up for a number of years. Eight or- years given a sentence for eight years, and was and, 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 and at his sentencing, the judge stipulated no parole for at least six years. Yeah. So he was pretty guilty, is what, is what that comes down to. Well, he was. I mean, he's in jail, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, well. I mean, because well, he, should be, he should be like eight months into his minimum six years in jail. That's, so I assume he's in jail, right? That's the story, isn't it, JB? You would assume he's in jail. You would assume he's in jail. In fact, he's actually training somewhere. He's actually participating in rugby training. And to the eternal credit of Stephen, Stephen Jones and Chris Jones, uh, Chris Jones of Rugby Pass and the Times, not to be confused with Chris Jones from BBC, um, yeah, they uncovered this. And you know, what a story. Uh, I don't really know what to do with it, though, because this comes hot on the heels of, is it Francis Kane? Is that the lad's name? Yeah, yeah. So there's another one, actually. Um, yeah. That there is there is another Fiji seven star, uh, Laba Laba, who was imprisoned for his part in being in a rape gang again, which which Stephen Jones and Chris Jones uh, um, highlighted. He was jailed for eleven years with no parole for nine years. However, shortly afterwards, he was shown playing rugby. Uh, and Francis Keane, who it, who, what's his role? What's his role in Fiji rugby? I think very senior. And he has... Did he end up at the World Council? Was he not their council representative or something yeah, like that? Yeah, I think, I think you he might was, be right there. He was... Uh, he, he'd been in prison it. for... Yeah, he'd been in prison for manslaughter of a guest at a wedding of the daughter of the Fijian Prime Minister. Yeah. Uh, he was sent to prison for 18 months, but uh, he, it's been alleged he was seen walking the streets pretty soon afterwards and then very quickly ascended to the post of um, Commissioner for the Correction Service. Among wow. among his roles in oh. um, among and that, that even apparently Amnesty International were involved in that, and he's a very senior person in Fiji rugby. So the, Fiji. The, the 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 corruption in the system and the looking the other way if you're a rugby player is pretty shocking. I don't really know what to do with this because on the one hand, I think we all agree uh, that these people shouldn't really be involved with the game. I mean that's you know, long and short of it will be that. Uh, Stephen Jones makes the call that world rugby bans Fiji from all forms of rugby until this is sort, sorted out. And again, on the face of it, that, that sounds reasonable. Uh, I'd have to disagree with that, actually. Um, and I disagree with it for a few reasons. First of all, I, as good as this story is, I, I don't see it as a rugby problem. 
And what I mean by that is, yes, of course, it's a rugby story. Of course, these people are playing rugby. But I see it as a, a problem that it can only get rugby into more trouble. I think it, it, this, this is one of those situations where it's more of a job for the like the british consulate or the or the un i mean if there are, are in, if there are endemic problems with their system uh, it should be it should be governmental organizations that step in it should be left to world rugby or the rugby organizations to sort of pol- source of police that whatever's happening in fiji it is for the governments and the commonwealth and all the other all those other organizations that have leverage on fiji to sort out the corruption not just in rugby but in their system it's probably for Gilbert and Vodafone and like probably the sponsors, as is the way these days, it'll probably end up being the sponsors that um, dictate such things. This is, I, Jay, I, I totally get your point that this is, it shouldn't be for World Rugby to police this kind of um, horrendous situation that's going on, this ridiculous situation that's going on. And it's, it is as a consequence of um, probably corruption within the highest levels in Fiji and how and, and how intertwined politics, rugby, the judicial system have all become that rugby is getting dragged into this mess that it should never find itself in. Exactly right. The, the political power Fijian rugby has in Fiji, I imagine, is substantially greater than what the RFU have over Downing Street. <laughs> <Yep>. Yes. <laughs> Uh, the other thing as well is if you were to ban Fiji from all levels of the game, it'd have a massive effect on, innocent, on, on innocent Fijians. And I just, I can see the people in world rugby are good people, but they are not equipped to deal with the policing of Fiji. And yeah, how Fiji's own judicial system is operating. Because that's, that's what you're talking about here, really. Yeah, that, that is the story. You could imagine a situation where that, that player or those players in the Fiji 7 side turn up at an event and um and the opposition take a take a moral stand and just decide not to play a game and yeah. uh, and sort of on a point of principle take a bit take a little bit of a stand and then maybe that affects sponsors that that prompts Fiji to actually do something it, it's difficult one for world rugby to get involved in and solve you know what would world rugby look like if they got really involved in this and then I, I could legitimately say, uh, World Rugby, by the way, let, let's talk about your sevens uh, tournament in Dubai where it's illegal to be homosexual and people get thrown off of roofs for being gay. Yeah, this is exactly the point I was trying to make with the NFL. Mm. Very clear, is You get banned for two years for substance abuse, but only, only banned for two games in the case of Antonio Brown brian for domestic abuse i mean that's just not right uh, but, and that's not the nfl's policy by the way they don't think one's more serious than well they do think one's more serious than the other but it's just in the laws so when sports try to be the arbiter of uh, you know of all these things they inevitably make a mess of it because it's really complicated and i agree with you Tim. you know you can't go to dubai i mean what's going to happen to the hong kong sevens what happens to you know if you have an, another player with a, a suspect path, uh, past, but that union really, want, really, wants, re, uh, really wants them to play. You know, there's all sorts of things which you have to police, and I don't really like where that would go. But an, 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 an edifying story, a uh, really messy one, and great bit of journalism to be credited for that point of view, for bringing it to everyone's attention, including mine. I had no idea. Yeah, great, uh, great work. Absolutely. Um, other news? Yes, please. 
one one thing worth mentioning. I think we, we've we've covered most of the thing that's happened this week. But one thing worth mentioning: Saracens have announced quite a bit of business that they've done this week, which is the conclusion of long-term extensions, which to to most of their major uh, England stars, which see them stay at the club for a number of years, including next year when they'll be playing in the Championship. And this includes Owen Farrell, Elliot Daly, Mako, Jamie George, Maro Itoji. Mm, interesting. And, and just to be clear, salaries that players get in their year in the Championship form part of the calculations for the premiership salary cap as well. So they can't like front load go, we'll give you 5 million quid this year and 50 grand next year. Yeah. That's right. Average it out over the term of the contract. Um, also, you have to be in compliance with the salary cap for two years before you go up. Yes. In my mind, this year they're not in compliance. Well, they wouldn't have been. But they actually might because of the pay cuts and people, people players leaving. So they yeah. might actually find themselves not through their own skill, but through like a, a fortuitous turn of events for them in the pandemic. I, um, suspect, I suspect it might have been part of the um, agreement to take relegation as well, just to well, draw a line and, and not actually yeah. officially do those calculations perhaps. Yeah. So if you get this year in the bank, as in, they are compliant for this year. Yeah. That means if they are compliant, they can go up. If they don't have this year in the bank, then they've got to do two years in the championship. While, which... while they are compliant for those two years. Yeah. No, that, be, that, that won't be a factor. That won't be a factor. I, well, I, I suspect the most likely thing is, Tim, you, you are correct. Because the, yeah. the rules were rewritten in order to introduce the 70-point penalty and the base, what was effectively automatic relegation. So there's no way that Saracens would have accepted that, that re- rewriting of the rules um, if it meant that they weren't going to come back up for two years. That, that will have been a done deal already, I think. Okay, so I now I'm thinking, what does the Saracens squad look like when it comes back in 12 months' time? And I'm wondering if all these moves are a good idea. So yes, the internationals are rested, but what's, that, Jamie, what's Jamie George now, 28? About that, yeah, yeah. I mean, they've kept all of their bigger stars, which on the face of it looks great, but I wonder if they'd be better off keeping lads like Ben Earl. Or, well, they have kept Ben Earl. They have, yeah. yeah. He'll be back there next year. So will Max Malins. Oh, ben, so ben, will... Spencer? Spencer's gone, I believe. He's gone. Deal? That's a shame, that one. That's a real I shame. Think, I think that's right. I'm pretty sure that's right. I don't yeah, I don't, know, I don't know the answer. But... Um, Actually, yeah, so maybe they keep the big names. They get effectively rested for a year in the championship. Then they come back up and they can supplement with the guys like Malins and, and Earl. And I look at their production line. They'll have, they'll have had a load of young guys with a year of good rugby under their belt. Yeah. So they basically bought a squad now, haven't they, to beat um, Ealing twice a year? Pretty much, yeah, because they've brought in a few guys from the championship as well. Um, from like Jersey and Nottingham and, and various other places. Yeah, can you boys win this, and then our big boys will be Ealing, and then we'll then we'll all go up. Yeah, you, you boys, you boys are going to win uh, whatever it is, twenty Doncaster. out of the twenty-two fixtures. Yeah, Doncaster and Plymouth and everyone else, Isha. 
Um, yeah. I don't even know who's in the championship half the time um, at the moment. Not not Yorkshire Carnegie. Oh, what a shame. Doncaster, Ealing, uh, Saracens will be in it. Where I'm just going down, <laughs> just going down the country. You've got um, Coventry. Yeah, Coventry spent quite a bit of money. Cornish, I've just got it up here. We go. Cornish Pirates. Cornish Pirates, Coventry, Amptill, Nottingham, Jersey Reds, Bedford, uh, Mainstays, Rip- London Scottish, Doncaster, Hartbury, and Yorkshire Carnegie uh, uh, lost 14 out of 14 last season. And Richmond are back up, right? They come back up from... Yeah. R- oh, yeah, uh, and in fact, wouldn't it be good to go... Uh, the Richmond Athletic Ground is a brilliant rugby ground. Is it? Yeah, yeah it's really good. Well, there you that'd go. be that'd be a good spot by the river. That'd be a good spot to do like a little live pod. Maybe Richmond v Saracens. That'd be a good one. Exactly, exactly. There's going to be some good fixtures next year in which you want to get down and and you know it could be a great shot in the arm for the championship. Yeah, which could all be amateur. Now. Well, well, they're looking they're looking to reorganise things and get a bit of collective bargaining done and rebrand it as a the the, the Heartland Championship. With um, with, with a, do you remember they used to do a championship fifteen? My brother played in it a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they used to play touring teams. So yeah, look, like against Samoa or against New Zealand Maori or whatever. Yeah, uh, fifteen was it not the champion? Was it English? Yeah, 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 yeah. So they're looking to do they're looking to do that a little bit more. Have have a that being part of the championship and all part of a of a tied up TV deal. The two things I'd love to see more of, I'd love to see more representative rugby, like the, um, just like the team which you mentioned there, Tim, the Championship 15, with adequate time to prepare. And I'd also like to see the county game um, be of a higher standard and that to mean something again. Everyone below the Championship is eligible for, the, for, uh, for county and for that to be a really good competition because lads care about that. They really care about that. I do remember back in the day they used to have, and it was always on like rugby special on a Sunday night. They used to have, the, 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 at that senior level, they used to have Southwest, London and the Southeast, Midlands and the North playing each other as basically trial games for the England side. Which is, yeah, the, the All Blacks are doing that as well, aren't they? They're doing North Island v South Island. Oh, yeah, yeah, they are. Later this year, which will, that'll be cool. That will be very, very cool. Uh, right, so I've got a story for you. Go on. Uh, I, I was having a, a drink with someone on Friday night. That's right, in, in a pub. Wow. Uh, in, outside. And uh, this guy, he's a, he's a communications guy, so I wouldn't tell you which club he does communications for, but we're having, a bit, uh, having a good old chat. And his seven-year-old is seriously into rugby, like seriously into it, loves it. So the point, right, they've had to buy him, get a, um, a whistle, right, a speed ladder, and this, and, this, and, this, and this is my favourite thing, um, a protein shaker. <laughs> <laughs> because that's what all the players... Are... That's what all the pros have. So his dad has got a dilemma now of what do you put in a seven-year-old's protein shaker? So sneaking Yazoo into the protein shaker after the training. <laughs> <laughs> now, I think this might come unstuck because when he gets to, say, 11, and he's still drinking his protein, uh, quote unquote protein, right? But not getting any bigger. If one of the other kids, ca- if he's bragging to the other kids that he's on, you know, 30 grams of protein per shake, <laughs> one of the other first is dad putting a Yazoo in, 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 uh, into his protein, there's going to be hell to pay. So it's like reverse doping. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. 
but if you see, yeah, I, I, I just worry that this could come, this very sweet story could come to a very sad end. But look, I don't know why he's not doing Nesquik, because you could do that like powder with milk. Oh, great idea. So such, such a better idea. It looks the same then. You know what? Not only that, you could put it into a, like a protein, um, like an actual real life protein thing. Yeah, but, yeah. But like yeah. with the scoop. What a good yeah, idea. With, with the scoop. And then you actually need to shake it to mix it, mix it together. <laughs> uh, I, I also thought maybe there is a, a market here for pushy parents. Maybe I can wait junior protein. I don't know, seven grams of protein per, per 30 grams of sugar. Something like that. <laughs> I like it. But you know what? Um, someone once said to me, and again, this is, you know how uh, science and, and what people suggest moves on massively. Like, they're, they're, you know, there is... There was a time when people used to do a, the war, rugby warm-up was like doing that circling your arms by your head thing <laughs> with, your, with your, your fist tucked in by your face and your chicken wings out and doing the circle. That used to be yeah. a rugby warm-up, so things change. But I do remember someone saying to me once that, uh, chemically speaking, a fridge milkshake is a brilliant post-workout um, snack. It's got just the right amount of sugar, not too much, yeah. but a little bit. bit of protein in there and, and fluid. Yeah, yeah. If a chocolate milkshake is genuinely a, a, a fairly decent. You probably need a bit more protein, like long term, but it's pretty good post recovery little uh, little treat. Exactly. Post post workout little recovery treat. Mm. So basically, if Leicester Tigers don't need a rebrand, but Yazoo needs a rebrand for the child <laughs> child child athlete market. <laughs> Push, uh, uh, yeah, aimed 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 at pushy dads. <laughs> Love that. Uh, have, have, have we got anything else, else to talk about? I don't think so. Right. Well, just one last thing for me. A little bit of a shout out. Not, not, um, uh, uh, well, not really a shout out, but a quick get well to my, um, my, my dear friend Josh Gardner from Blood and Mud. He's a bit under the weather at the moment with the, uh, with, with the coronavirus, but hopefully he'll be up and running and we can disagree with each other again very, very soon. Absolutely. Uh, and with that, so listen, we do this every single week, 52 weeks of the year. Yep. No whether there's ru- yeah. Whether no, there's I- rugby or not. You were going to say something, JB? Yeah. No, uh, 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 no, no empty mornings in your feed feed because of us. Exactly. Every, uh, every week. Every week. And all we ask in return, if you enjoy it, is that you tell your mates, you hit subscribe on that feed and... Uh, and thank you very much for listening and for downloading. Nice one, Phil. Nice one, JB. Cheers. Boys. Let the boys play. Nice one. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.